email out here at church. I get lots of emails from lots of different ministries, lots of different organizations, and a lot of them, it just doesn't seem to line up. But when I got the one from Pastor George, it seemed so sincere and it seemed so simple and straightforward. There was just a heart to want to reach the Muslims. So I contacted him back. He was going to be doing an outreach up in Dearborn. I said, we're not that far from Dearborn. One thing led to another. And in July, myself and a group of people from church went up to Dearborn and got a chance to go door to door in the different Muslim communities and invite them to a VBS, which he'll share about, invite them to some other things and just amazing fruit that came out of that. Well, George and I continue to keep in touch, and uh, one of his boys is going to Cedarville. And so he's kind of up in the area here a little bit, and we said, the next time you're up, come on out. And so he contacted, said he was coming out, and he said, I want to cook for you guys. And I said, you sure? And he goes, I'm sure. So we did the sign-up sheet, and uh, it was about 100 people that came last night that he got to cook for. So uh, the food is great and wonderful. And last night he shared about the Jesus of the Quran versus the Jesus of the Bible. And uh, we weren't able to record that one. We are able to record this one tonight. And he's got a great program that he's going to be doing tonight. If you want to get that, that switch work up there, Dustin. So without much further ado, we'll hand it over to Pastor George. And he'll share with us tonight. And I know that you'll be blessed by this. No problem. Blessings on you. Sometimes when I speak at churches, I dress like a Muslim and imagine wires coming out of my pocket to ask people to close their eyes and they say, yeah, right. Thank you, Pastor. Um, Thank you for allowing me to be with you last night and today. Is the I'm sure the enemy is not happy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much, Lord, for uh, the opportunity that we can be here tonight, Lord. And, Lord, I do want to lift the uh, technical uh, stuff, Lord Jesus. Just pray that you make it uh, work, Lord. And, Lord, we do want to pray, Lord, uh, as we remember our brothers and sisters in Syria and Iraq and other parts of the world, Lord, that they're going through suffering right now, Lord. I just want to lift them to you, Lord. I pray, Lord, for our brothers and sisters in Iraq and Syria as some of them, they see seen their kids slaughter in front of their eyes. Some of them seeing loved ones being killed, Lord. I just pray that you may heal their hearts, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, that they know they're not forgotten or forsaken, Lord. Lord, we do want to lift also the leaders of ISIS, the leaders of Al-Hamas, the leaders of PLO, the leaders of Al-Shabaab, the leaders of all this different Islamic terrorist group, Lord Jesus. We pray for nothing less than their salvation, Lord Jesus. I pray that you will close all doors around them, that they will seek you, Lord, from all their hearts, and they will repent, Lord Jesus. I pray that you may put the fear in their hearts, Lord Jesus, to know they are not persecuting us, but they are fighting you, Lord Jesus. I pray that they will be scared of touching any of your people, Lord Jesus. But I do pray, Lord, for their repentance, Lord Jesus. 
We thank you, Father. And Lord, as, as I'm sharing, going to be sharing with my brothers and sisters, Lord, I just pray that you anoint me and give me the word to speak to them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, praise God. That's quick. <laughs> <laughs> Overcoming fear, reaching our Muslim neighbors. Many people, they think there's a magical way for us to overcome that fear. But the, really the answer is to meet the Muslims, talk to them, and that fear will be gone. But we do need to understand some stuff about them and to know a little bit about them and uh, what they believe, what they object to, um, in order for us to be a little bit prepared. And that also will give us um, kind of peace of mind that when we are going to them, what we're expecting. And we always like to know what we are expecting. I came to the United States, uh, sorry, I came to Christ first before I came to the United States. I, that's in 1987. I was 11 years old. I studied in Islamic schools, but I was never a Muslim. A lot of people, because I'm from Sudan, they assume I was a Muslim, but I was never a Muslim. Uh, at age 11, I came to know Christ, but be, prior to that, I studied Islam in public school. I knew, I knew for sure that they have no assurance of salvation when I came to know Christ as a Lord and Savior, right away I recognized this is something my Muslim friends need to know. They need to know that they can have that guarantee to be in heaven. They are so committed for what they believe. They, they fast Ramadan from sunrise to sunset the entire month. They pray five times a day, including right at sunrise. They are very committed, but still they have no assurance of salvation. I... I knew my friends. I know that they always lived in that with fear in their heart. They don't know what's going to happen to them if they died. And that's why once I came to know Christ, right away I started reaching out to Muslims. I came to the United States in 1996. And in 2001, uh, the Lord um, gave me a vision to start the ministry. A few months before September 11. What a perfect timing uh, 15 years ago, but prior to that in Sudan, I was doing outreach. I came here. I was distracted with uh, longer hours of work and more bills to pay until the Lord brought me out of that and brought me back to the ministry to reach out to the Muslims. Uh, this vision that I saw, it was in Anaheim, California. I saw a big tent and many Muslims coming to know about Christ. I look across the street and I found a big empty lot. I run across the street and I ask, who's the owner of this land? And I found out he's the doctor next door and it happened to be Christian and he allowed me to use the land for book fairs. And we did a book fair of the Holy Bible and the Quran and Muslims come to get Qurans, but we get to share the gospel with them and we also show them the problem with the teaching of the Quran. Uh, but also we rented a bookstore uh, Arabic Christian bookstore in Anaheim, the area, that area called Little Arabia. We have around 170,000 Muslims in North Orange County, California. Uh, in 2003, I recognized that we are not able to reach out every Muslim in America that God bringing here. We have over 6, 7 million Muslims in America. And our ministry alone from California, we are not going to be able to reach all these people. And that's why the Lord put in my heart to start going to different states, to different areas, wherever there's Muslim community, and to look if, and see if there's already a ministry reaching out to Muslims, then we network with them. And if there's no ministry reaching out to Muslims, we start a new team to reach out to Muslims. 
in that area. And in 2007, we started the Center for Religious Debate, which we do a lot of public debates with Muslim scholars. Uh, for years, Josh McDowell and many others defended the Christian faith by debating uh, different individuals in, include, in the background, including Muslims. But I said, we are not going to defend the Christian faith unless if you Muslims are willing to defend your faith. I will not debate. I, I don't debate myself, but I arrange the debates. We will not debate, um, is Jesus God, unless if they will debate, was Muhammad a true prophet? We will not debate, is the Bible being corrupted, unless if you'll debate, is the Quran word of God? And since then, we've been always taking two debates at a time. We have weekly prayer meeting. If you are not in church on Thursday nights, which I don't think you do have something going on on Thursday nights. Small groups, no? Okay, if you have small groups, go to that. But if not, call the phone number that you see in the screen and join us to pray for the Muslim people. We need your prayers. Every Thursday night, just dial that phone number, enter the code, and you can join us in a prayer meeting over the phone. Um, But also, if you can set up your alarm in your phone for Fridays at 1 o'clock to remind yourself to pray for us because every Friday we are standing in front of mosques giving Bibles to Muslims. Not just our ministry, but other ministries in Washington, D.C., Phoenix, Arizona, and other areas, they're doing the same. We need your prayers. We have annual conference that we do in California, but also uh, we have mission trips, including Dearborn, Michigan. Lord willing, we will be going to Dearborn in in August next year, uh, August 3rd to the 13th. We would love to have some of you to come join us. Okay, let's start. This is Paul's prayer toward Israel. Brethren, my heart, desire, and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them a record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Even though this is Paul's prayer toward Israel, it's my prayer toward the Muslim people as well. Muslims, they believe in the Quran. They, they think the God of the Quran is the same God of the Bible. They think that they worship the God of Abraham and the God of the Bible. Uh, they always claim that. The Quran claimed to be the same, uh, Allah, the same God of the Bible. The problem is not if Allah is the same God or not, because we use in our Arabic Christian Bible the word Allah as well. But our Allah is not the Muslim's Allah. Our God is not the God of Islam. doesn't matter what the term is, but the, important, the most important to know that we don't worship the same God. But they think they worship the same God as us. But they don't know because it's out of ignorance, because not according to knowledge, because they are blinded. They cannot see. The God of this world blinded the, 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 those that they cannot. They, let's, say, let's read it from here. Um, in whom that the God of this world has blinded the mind of them which believe not. They are Being blinded by the God of this world. Who's the God of this world? Satan. Satan. Good. Uh, What about the Quran? What the Quran says? They were deceiving and Allah was deceiving for Allah the best of the deceiving ones. That's in chapter 3, verse 54 of the Quran. 
he admitted in the Quran that the God of Islam himself, he admitted in black and white in the Quran that he is the best of all deceivers, who is the God of this world, that he is blinding their eyes. We know if a liar and the father of lies is Satan. They usually, in their English translation of the Quran, they remove the word deceive, they put planner. But if you go to chapter 7, verse 99, it says, well, they fear secure from them, let's say plan, like what they say. Where they feel secure from the plan of Allah, none feel secure from the plan of Allah except people that shall lose. And here referring to the day of judgment. If you trust Allah in the day of judgment, you're going to lose. The first successor, he was one of ten people that they were promised paradise. But when he was dying, he was so scared. They told him, why are you are scared? You're being promised paradise. He said, if one of my foot inside and one outside of heaven, I will not trust the deception of Allah, and he was referring to these passages. These passages is not for you to share with your Muslim friends, but for you to understand Muslims are victims of the God of this world. They are not our enemy. Our enemy is the teaching of the Quran. Our enemy is the God of Islam, the Satan, which is Satan, the God of this world. That's our enemy. But the Muslim people are victim of this God. Yes, there is those that they're willing to die killing all of us here, but those that are the good, obedient Muslim to the Quran. Because they really, really, really think they are worshiping the God of the Bible. They really think that they're worshiping the Creator. They really think the God of our God ordering them, they think that the God of the Bible and the God of the Quran is the same God, that's what they think, and He's ordering them to die for Him. Because all their entire life, they, their entire life being taught that they're worshiping the same God. Their entire life they're being taught that you must die for jihad. You must kill for God. It's a huge difference. Our God, he came from heaven to earth to die for us. And their God asking them to die for him. But which one is easier to reach? Which, which one is easier? Osama bin Laden, if he's alive, or a liberal Muslim? Actually, Osama bin Laden is closer to the gospel message than the liberal Muslim. The liberal Muslims, they don't want anything to do with religion. They are very secular. They don't care about religion. But the more religious Muslims makes them more fanatic. The more serious they are about it, the 100% great Muslims, they have to kill for Allah. This ones, they really want to please God. And that's why they are closer to the gospel. They are closer to if they hear the gospel message, they may come to Christ and more possibility for them to come to Christ than a liberal Muslim. It's so hard when we're going to Iranian New Year festivals where we meet a lot of Iranian secular Muslims. They don't want to talk about religion. They don't want to talk to us at all. But we go to more uh, fanatic Muslims or serious Muslims at the mosques. They want to talk about God. As we're going to Dearborn, Michigan, we're knocking their doors and we, talk to, we tell them we are here to talk about God. Would you like to talk about God? They say, yes, we'd love to. They are open because they really think uh, they are following God. They really think they can convince us to become Muslims. But many of these people, as they hear the gospel message, their heart gets open. And they are so open to the gospel today more than ever before. What ISIS is trying to do in the Middle East, God is turning that 
for Muslims to question Islam. They are questioning the fact that Muslims are killing Muslims. But everything that ISIS do, Muhammad and his first caliphates did. And that's why every time these Muslims today question these things, they realize this is the true Islam. This is what Muhammad did. This is what the Sahaba did. The first early Muslims did. That's why they start questioning Islam for the first time. Before, when Saddam Hussein do something, they say, oh, he's not a good Muslim. Yeah, um, Gaddafi do something, oh, he's not a good Muslim. But now they're seeing the real good Muslim. They were begging for the caliphate. They've been begging for a Muslim leader to take over the world. Now they see what does it mean to have a caliphate. Muslims are killing Muslims. We have the fear of violence. And it is, I'm not going to lie to you and say that Islam is peaceful religion. Islam is not peaceful religion. In chapter 9, verse 29, it says to kill the Christian and Jews. And another 164 verses also, it says to kill uh, non-Muslims. But is it for us to be afraid? Jesus told us, and he promised us in the world we're going to have tribulation. But we have to trust that he overcome the world. He told us that he, they hated me and they're going to hate you also. We know these things are going to happen. And a lot of time we comfort ourselves with the fact that we're going to be out of here before the tribulation happens. But what about our brothers and sisters in China, in North Korea, in Sudan, in other parts of the world? They are going through persecution right now. Why not us? Persecution at the moment, maybe it is a choice. You can preach and talk about Jesus and share the gospel at your work. You may going to be fired for it. Maybe you can encourage your kids to pray for their food at public school before they eat. They may going to be kicked out of school. Right now it's a choice. But the time is coming where we have to stand for Jesus. The time is coming where we have to say we rather to obey God, not man. Yes, the Bible tells us to obey the government. And to listen to the authorities, because every government God put in authority. But in the same time, when this government starts going against God's words, we have to be in a place where we are ready to say we'd rather to die for Christ than denying Christ. And I believe this is coming sooner than ever before. In Dearborn, Michigan, in 2009, they say we cannot talk about Jesus in the streets of Dearborn, Michigan, United States of America. They say we cannot give Bibles to Muslims in the public sidewalk of the United States of America. I took it to court. I lost. I took it to federal court. I lost. But by God's grace, I won in the Sixth Circuit Court. And we have full freedom to preach the gospel back again. We need to understand the freedom we have today is not free. There's people died for the freedom that we have today. And I don't think this freedom is going to be for long. We need to take advantage of every moment to preach and proclaim the gospel. What an awesome freedom we have that we can assemble here and we can pray and we can worship Jesus. This is something we did not have in, where, in Sudan where I grew up. A lot of time, people can come, the police in the middle of the service and pick up people from the church and leave. And we can never see them again. Praise God for the freedom we have today here. But Muslims also have a violence, the fear of violence also. Because leaving Islam, the penalty is death. 
you need to keep in mind that when you are asking a Muslim to come to Christ, you're asking them to put their life in risk. And it is a very high price. And that's why they are so slow to come to know Christ because it takes a lot of thinking, it takes a lot of prayers, it takes a lot of work from the Holy Spirit to capture the heart and to draw them. Don't rush. When we wanted to see quick results, but maybe there's no seed being planted ever. Maybe this is just time for you to plant that seed and let the Lord do the rest. We cannot convert or change anyone. Just pray for them, love them, and share the gospel with them. What if you were born in Saudi Arabia? What if you were born in a place where you, your entire life you've been taught lies about Christianity? You know, in Saudi Arabia, where the black building, the pilgrimage, they don't allow an airplane to fly over that. You know why? Because the airplane is the shape of the cross, and they're afraid of the shadow of the cross to land in the land. They are coming to Christ. There's many, many Muslims coming to Christ through dreams and visions. Jesus revealing himself to them. You know why he's revealing himself to them? Because when they are asking Allah of Islam, but really they meant to ask the creator that created them. They really wanted to ask the creator. And Jesus is still hear their hearts and cry. And they, he knows they are really seeking him, but they don't know him. And that's why he revealed himself to them. And without a shadow of doubt, they will never question. They know right away he is Jesus. And they don't know just he is Jesus, but they know he is God. Without any questioning. They leave everything and they follow him. There's a stories after stories of Muslims coming to Christ through dreams and visions. <clears throat> He is able to bring them to himself without any of us. But what an honor that he willing to use each one of us here to reach out to these people, to be his ambassadors to these people. Some of you young people, you're going to see the Muslims in the university and colleges one day. They're going to be targeting you. They're going to try to shake your faith. They're going to try to tell you that you believe a wrong, a false teaching and all that stuff. But you need to be equipped. You need to be ready to reach out to them with the love of Christ, with the gospel message. As we, as we heard yesterday that they deny the deity of Christ. They attack the deity of Christ. They, will, they also attack um, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. They, when you defend the deity of Christ and the crucifixion, they attack the Bible as well. In Dearborn, Michigan this year, praise God for the few of you that came with us. I don't know how many, seven, eight people came from here. Uh, they came with us and they were, uh, we went and give out invitations to this VBS for Dearborn. Uh, it was eight of your people and eight Korean team that came to help as well from uh, Los Angeles. And we invited thousands of Muslim homes during that one week. Uh, We visited around 2,900 homes. We invited them to VBS. We invited the Muslim women to a special Hinna party. I don't know if you are familiar with Hinna. It's like a temporary tattoos that Muslims do. Uh, Women, Middle Eastern women, you can say, not just Muslims. But uh, in July 11, we have many other teams came from across America. We have training every morning at the hotel. And after that, we go 
out in the streets to reach out to these people, but also we have uh, a special gospel presentation for Muslim kids using black light uh, coloring and painting. It's just awesome way, and they were so, so just attracted to the gospel message, and many of them memorizing Bible verses. The last day of VBS, they brought their, their parents we did not, it's not just like a VBS you do here at the church where people have to sign up for it. We don't know how many are going to come. We did not know even if one child will come. The first day as my wife was leading the VBS, she went in with the, the leaders of the VBS. And uh, myself and other teams, we were going door to door sharing the gospel with Muslims. We decided to come to the church and surround the church around 6 o'clock. The VBS started around 5 we surrounded the church to pray for the VBS, but we don't know how many kids inside. And I was saying to the Lord, Lord, even if it's just one child and that he will come to know you, it's absolutely worth it. And as we closing prayer, the door opened and a few kids start coming out with my wife, like four or five of them, and I was just so happy. And literally, literally the, the sound becoming louder and louder. It was 120 Muslim kids that first night, 120 of them. Even though that was so awesome, but the enemy was not happy. The air condition in that basement of the church is just broke down and 120 people plus 40 volunteers. That's like 160 people without air condition. The next day we had to hire someone to come and fix it. And 50 of this 120, they did not show up the next day. But the Lord brought another 40 new kids. And just on and on like that. It was total around 170 different kids came during the three days. And the last day, many of them brought their moms with them. I remember one saying that one kid, he memorized the Bible verses because we asked them to memorize key Bible verses, not any Bible verses. This, and they are required to bring their parents the last day if they want to get the prize for memorizing the Bible verses. This kid, he could not bring his parents. We found out he was coming secretly to church every day. He cried, he cried. He wanted that Bible as a gift to take with him home. But we couldn't give it to him because his own father would kill him for it. But I said, Lord, he's taking your word in his heart with him. And the Lord is faithful to bring somehow someone or maybe he would find it on cell phone or something. But his desire was to have that word of God. That's also remind me with another kid that around... Age 10, he sounded like 10, 11 years old kid. He called me one time at 10 o'clock at night. And he said, are you George? I said, yes. He said, today, and he, he wanted to talk, and he said, I want a Bible. And he hung up right away. I called back. I, did not, I was so confused. But the mother picked up the phone. She said, please do not call us again. Me and my son, we got the Bible from you in front of the mosque today. Not the Bible, the Jesus DVD and Gospel of John. And we, my son saw in the postcard that you're offering entire Bible and he really wanted one pet. My husband would kill us both if he saw that. She said, I watched the Jesus film with him today and that's when he decided he wanted the entire Bible. These people live in the free country, but they live as hostages in their homes. The husband can tell his wife, if you left or walked out of this door, you are divorced. 
automatically she's divorced. He can tell his wife, if your mom visited you, you are divorced. Automatically she's divorced unless if he forgotten that he told her so. It's a religion controlled by men. It's not, I, I just don't understand that how any Muslim woman will stay as a Muslim. Usually stoning, but uh, we can talk later afterward. But uh, it's usually they use a stoning. The kids have a lot of fun. They were we give them T-shirts that says "God Almighty, Holy, and Love," things that they never heard of. The first day we we focused on God is Almighty. The next day we focused on God is Holy, and we used the Ten Commandments. The last day about God's love. It's so beautiful to see these kids holding each other's hands and his little brothers and sisters and walking around the blocks to come to the church. Please join us next year. These kids were memorizing John three sixteen. It was just so beautiful. This is the Hinna. We visited more, more than 5,000 Muslim homes. But I want to tell you also, there's another fear. The fear of not knowing what kind of arguments they're going to bring against us. The fear of how we can defend the deity of Christ. How we can defend the crucifixion. How defend the Bible. I want to give you this message that's very short and very simple. We start with the Bible or the Quran. Which one is the word of God? And in a second, I'm going to go through that, but... They always tell you that Allah is the same God of the Christians. He revealed Old New Testament and the book of Psalms, and he revealed the Quran. But men, human, corrupted the first three books, but Allah promised that he will protect the Quran himself. They will tell you that the Quran is eternal, is perfect, is unchanged. That every letter in the Quran all over the world is the same exactly. But that's not true at all. They will tell you that you have many Bibles, but we have only one Quran. We know that the Bible is, the inspiration of the Bible is perfect inspiration. We know the Bible was written by holy men of God, were moved by the Holy Spirit. These 40 different authors of the Bible in 1500 years period, in three different continents, in many different languages, were moved by the Holy Spirit to write the word of God. There's no place for corruption. For the Old Testament, we have many manuscripts, including the Dead Sea Scrolls that goes 200 years before Jesus, 800 years before Muhammad, and matches exactly what we have today. The only thing is missing, missing is the book of Esther, and does not change anything from the teaching of the Bible. Even if we don't have the New Testament manuscripts, from the book of Isaiah alone, we can show the deed of Christ, we can show the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. But we do have manuscripts for the New Testament. We have around over, actually, 5,800 manuscripts of the New Testament. There is no book in the world that has more evidence than the Word of God, the Bible. The P52, one of the manuscripts of the New Testament, it goes 5 to 25 years after the death of Apostle John. It's, we have plenty of evidence. Oh, sorry. <laughs> There's parts, Aisha, Aisha, she is the 
youngest wife of Muhammad, he married her when she was six, seven years old, and he was 54 years old. She said there's verses in the Quran about breastfeeding, stoning and breastfeeding adults. That's a different subject. But these verses are not longer in the Quran because sheep ate it. Also, Ubay ibn Ka'ab. Ubay ibn Ka'ab, he is one of the four people that Muhammad said, if you forgot the Quran, go to these four individuals. They are the best memorizers of the Quran. Ubay ibn Ka'ab, in his Quran, in chapter 33, verse 6, it has the phrase that, and he is the father of them, this phrase is not longer in the Quran. How can he tell me the Quran is perfect? Abu Musa, one of Muhammad's followers, he said, Due to laziness that they've forgotten two chapters of the Quran, which are not longer in the Quran today. Simply, they tell you that God trusted the followers of Moses to protect their book. They did not do their job. He trusted the followers of David to do their job. They did not do their job. He trusted the followers of Jesus to do their jobs, but they did not do their job. Like he did not know the future, they're going to corrupt it. And finally, he learned the lesson. Now he's going to take charge of the Quran himself. But we see that he rely on the memory of human of mankind, and they forgotten big part of it. And he could not even protect the Quran from a sheep. This is another two chapters. It's not longer in the Quran, but Ubay ibn Kaab, he think that we should return them back to the Quran, which Muhammad he said we should listen to him. But this verse, this chapters, we are doing our own translation of the Quran, an accurate translation to have it available for the body of Christ to know what the Quran really is and to debate Muslims using that Quran with a commentary. And every time the Quran attacked the Bible, we're defending the Bible in the commentary. But we're adding these two chapters to our Quran. They found six manuscripts of the Quran. These six manuscripts were reviewed by two Turkish scholars, and they came to the conclusion that none of them match the Quran they have today. But it's still Muslims, they're going to look at you in the eyes and say, we have one Quran. Professor or Dr. Daniel from Rice University, he looked at these manuscripts, and he came with this conclusion that there's taping, they're covering words, there's insertions, they adding words. There's erasing in between the words. There's words being removed. And there's erasing and overriding. And there's overriding without erasing. How can you tell me the Quran is perfect? How can you tell me the Quran is eternal? The Quran is not eternal. It's not perfect. It has been changed. But who has the eternal word of God? We do believe the manuscripts of the Bible, there's little bit variances. There's difference using of different words. We never preach or claim, the Bible never claimed that it's coming down from heaven as a book. The Mormons claim that their book coming down from heaven. The Muslims claim their book coming down from heaven. But we see that's not true because it's being changed many times. But do we believe the book, the Bible, the printed? Which one came down from heaven, the King James or the other translations? We don't believe that. We believe the inspiration of it is perfect and we can trust it. And God is able to guard his message even through the translations. And we still have manuscripts and uh, Greek manuscripts and Hebrew. And we have scholars reviewing. And we are honest. When we find manuscripts, there's differences. We point to the differences. But guess what? All these variances and differences does not change the message of of the Bible. None of them denying the deity of Christ. None of them denying the crucifixion of Christ. None of them change the essential teaching of the Bible. But 
If we went with the claim of the Quran, is the Bible perfect, eternal, unchanged? We cannot even claim that because there is variances from the manuscripts. But which one of us has the eternal word of God? We still have the eternal, perfect, unchanged word of God is Jesus himself. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is the word of God. And not just Christianity teaching that, even Islam the Messiah, the Jesus, the son of Mary, is but an apostle of God and his word. But Islam does not just teach us that Jesus is a word of God, but it teaches that Jesus is a perfect word of God. In chapter 19, verse 19, the angel giving the good news to Mary that she's going to have a holy son, a sinless son then Jesus is holy and perfect according to Islam, and Jesus is the word of God according to Islam, then he has to be eternal. If his word of God, he is eternal. He's perfect. He's unchanged. And we know that Jesus yesterday, today, and forever the same never changes. The Quran is not eternal. Jesus is. The Quran is not perfect. Jesus is. The Quran has been changed. Jesus never changes. They claim that they have a perfect book, and we know now that it's not a perfect book. But we need to point to the fact that they need a perfect Savior, and his name is Jesus. What they need, a book is not going to help them. But Jesus, the eternal word of God, the Savior that he came from heaven to earth and loved them so much, and he died for their sin, he He is the one that they need. And we can tell them about him. Now, this is the most important part. They say what? They say the Bible being corrupted. Let's say, if the Bible is a true word of God, can the Quran be word of God? Why? Why cannot be word of God? They contradict each other. One says Jesus is God, one Jesus is not God. One Jesus died on the cross, one Jesus did not die on the cross. They cannot be both true. This part you have to understand well how to use it because this is a shortcut to answer every Muslim objection. Every time they object to anything, you can use this argument. What if the Bible being corrupted? Can the Quran be word of God if the Bible being corrupted? No. It's still the Quran cannot be word of God, and I'm going to tell you why right now. Let's see what the Quran says about the Bible. The Quran says, and let people of the gospel, the Christians, judge by what Allah has revealed therein. The Quran, Allah telling Muhammad, let the Christian to be judged by the Bible, do not judge them by the Quran. If the Bible being corrupted, I'm ordered to be judged by a corrupted book. The next one, all people of Scripture. What does that mean, people of Scripture? Every time the Quran says people of Scripture, it meant Christian and Jews. The Quran was not meant to be a book. That's why they don't call Muslims people of the book. The Christians are people of the book. The Jews are people of the book. The word Quran is mean to recite, to memorize. The Quran is supposed to be just kept in the memory, but because they start killing each other, they were afraid to lose the Quran. They start collecting it and making it a book. But every time the Quran say people of the book, it meant Christian and Jews. Say, oh, people of 
the book of people of scripture, the Christian Jews, all Christian Jews, you are on nothing until you uphold the Torah and the gospel and what has been revealed to you from your Lord, which is the Psalms. It says what? To uphold, to follow the law of the Bible, the Old and New Testament. How can I... If as a Christian, if, even if I want to obey the Quran today, the Quran telling me to obey this book. How can I obey a book if it's not exist anymore and it's been corrupted? That's not sound like a corrupted book. And also, from the previous two verses, you see that the admitting that the, 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 the New Testament and the Old Testament, the Bible and the Injil, or the Torah and the Injil, are word of God. They are word of God. And now in chapter 6, verse 115, it says, none can alter his words. No one can change God's word. My Muslim friend, you're telling me the Quran, the Bible being corrupted, but the Quran telling me something different. Which one you want me to follow? You or the Quran? You or Allah? Allah says the Bible is not being corrupted. Now we go back again to the, the image. If the Bible word of God, the Quran cannot be word of God because they contradict each other. But if the Bible being corrupted, which is, <laughs> there is no way the Bible is corrupted. But even if it's been corrupted, the Quran still cannot be word of God. Because if the Bible being corrupted, that means the Quran is wrong. The Quran says the Bible is a word of God and it cannot be corrupted. No matter what, the Quran is not an option for mankind to follow. This is called the Islamic dilemma. You need to use this when you're talking to Muslims. But it's still, when you talk to Muslims, it's not about winning an argument. We need to show them the only reason we're telling them these things because we care about them because we don't want them to follow a false path. Because we want to see them in heaven one day. The Bible or the Quran, that's where you start with them when you're talking to a Muslim. The Bible or the Quran. After that, after you solve this issue, you go from the Bible and show them where Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, where Jesus claimed he was before Abraham, where Jesus claimed, and, and where the Bible is showing that Jesus forgives sin. Jesus, he was killed for blasphemy, for claiming to be God. And the Jewish people in that time, they understood clearly what he claimed to be. You can also show them the history, evidence for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And show them why Jesus had to die. Because he came and loved us so much. He came especially to die for our sin. No one can force him to die, to be killed or, or to kill him or, or force him to do so. But he came out of love that he laid down his life for us. Muslims need to hear the gospel message, need to hear what God done for us. When he tell them about this book and about God loves for us, they will never want to turn back and see the Quran. When they know how much God did for them, they're going to tell him, that's impossible. Tell him exactly. We don't deserve it. It doesn't make sense that he would leave everything for us, but he did. And that's how much he loved us. I just would like to close with a small story. This lady, she was in, from Yemen. This lady, her job was to break rocks and get out of the rock, a smaller rock, that to polish it and make it like a jewelry. 
But one day she broke this rock and the smaller rock has a cross in it. She did not know what it meant. She brought it with her when she moved to the United States. And in Dearborn, Michigan, she saw one of my friends, Deborah, wearing a cross. And she tried to communicate with her. But she could not understand English and she could not speak English. She brought her daughter to translate. She explained about her job and she explained about finding this rock 10 years ago. She said, I knew there's something about it, but I don't know what. Can you tell me more about the cross? And Deborah started crying. She told her, why you are crying? She said, because Jesus said, if my people stop crying out, the rocks will cry out. Jesus did not find someone in Yemen to come and tell you about him, but he let the rocks to cry out to you to tell you about him. She knew that there's something special about the cross, but she did not know what it is exactly. She kept it for 10 years until that moment when she got to hear the gospel message that day. And not just her, even her daughter, as she's translating for both sides, she gets to understand fully what the gospel message is. God has the ability to use rocks, but he is calling us to be ambassadors, not just to Muslims, to everybody that God brings our way. Maybe a family member doesn't know him. Maybe a neighbor. Maybe someone at work. Use every moment to share the gospel message with those around us. What a freedom we have. What an opportunity we have. I have a friend that he became a Christian. He was born and grew up in America when he was 27 years old or 28 years old, when the first time someone shared the gospel with him. And he was crying tears for the years that he wasted without Jesus. And he went back to his Christian friends. Why you did not dare to tell me about him? Let's tell them about Jesus. Toledo is not that far from here. You can take a team and go out there and reach out to them. Dearborn, Michigan is not that far from here. You can drive there and you can share the gospel. But also we do offer a way that you can show you how to find Muslim addresses and you can send Bibles to their businesses or to their homes. There's many ways of you, you can participate. But the most important one is to pray for us. We need, we need, we need your prayers. Muslims, every sunset time prayer, they have something called taraweeh and they have something called la'anat. La'anat, it means cursing. When we are standing in front of that mosque at 2 o'clock giving Bibles, guess what? At sunset time, who are they going to be cursing? They're going to be cursing us. And they are not just worshiping nothing. They're worshiping demons. It's a demonic spirit. We need your prayers. Without your prayers, without of the work of the Holy Spirit, we cannot do anything. We can just take it to their hands. Most of our tracks has a verse from the Quran in Arabic in the front because they can never throw it away. We know that they have hundreds of thousands of our tracks in their homes. I have someone seven years, seven years later, he came to know Christ because his dad, he left the track next to the Quran and he finally, he got to see it and he read it and he came to know Christ. Pray as this tracks and Jesus DVD and Bibles and many different materials in Muslim homes today across America that God will put thirst and hunger in their hearts that they will be drawn to Jesus. Thank you so much. Thank you.
we, we have some resources in the back. If you guys want any material, please uh, feel free to talk to me afterward. Sure. All right, like Pastor George said, he'll be in the back there. If you have any questions, any resources you want to pick up, anything you want to talk to him about, feel free to do that. Uh, some of you have asked, as a church, you know, we're giving a love gift to George just to help out the ministry. If you want to support that as well, too, highly encourage you to prayerfully consider that. I really do. But like I said, prayers is what's most important. So, hey, let's close out with prayer. And George, if you're going to come up here, I just want to lay hands on you real quick. Lord, I just want to pray for George. Just fill him with the Spirit in all ways and all things. The ministry there, guide and direct them. We pray for your hand of safety to be upon them. We pray the Holy Spirit would speak through them. Thank you for his passion, his excitement, the knowledge you've given them. Lord, and help us to have that same focus in representing you to whoever we run into. In the name of Jesus. And safety for George, too, as he travels. In your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming out tonight. We did record it. We will make sure that gets put online tonight. Dustin's got CDs available back there in a little bit for you guys. Feel free to take those home. And I think you said, too, if they want to get a copy of the PowerPoint. Yes, if you have a flash drive, make sure you meet me in the back and I will give you a copy. Give a copy of the PowerPoint. You guys have a good evening and God bless. Thanks for coming out.